Um, we've been covering for the last number of months, of course, uh, connecting, connecting with each other, connecting with God, connecting with God's word, connecting with neighbors. And so time to connect as believers, as a body of believers. Uh, Pastor Arter asked me to share how we are called to connect with the outside world, with the truth that we believe, the truth of God's word. And in addition, he said I could share a bit about how the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Canada partners with churches to share the truth in communities. So uh, truth. Uh, Next slide, please. So in this day and age, the culture where truth is called into question, we are called to share and convey the truth that we hold so dear. What proof do we have that what we believe or hold so dear is truth? So let, us take, let me take you on a journey through Scripture to reconfirm the truth that we all have and that we see and how we can apply it for today. In this day and age of fake news, uh, when it comes to truth, it is sometimes into, called into question. When it comes to truth, we say God's word is truth. Do, but do we really believe that? It is easy to say, but how can we say that and truly believe it and live it in our lives accordingly? We claim we have the truth, and our calling and responsibility as a church and as believers is to share the truth, to proclaim the truth in any situation we find ourselves, whether that be with a family member, a work associate, or neighbor. I'm reminded that it is God's truth, and he gives us the words to say, but it is certainly a step of faith. Having said that, no doubt you've heard that there around us there are many who are also desiring the truth and and may not they may not realize ultimately that they are looking for truth that they are in a sense on a quest or making trying to make sense of life and events around them for they are looking for the truth but they don't necessarily recognize that or what that truth is many of us do not real, many around us do not realize that truth is only found in Jesus Christ and that the emptiness or void that they feel is a God-shaped void. We have a responsibility to share, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. The next slide, please. So I've fallen in love with Scripture, and that may surprise you. Uh, What started in 2019 was a quest to look through Scripture. I began a quest to look at all scripture and to see its connectedness and how it is woven together as I found myself questioning, is scripture true? Could I believe it? Could I believe what it says? Is it all true? How does it relate to today's society as voices of change get louder and louder? My quest was to meditate on scripture and to look and study the passages that that spoke of God's big picture. In other words, spend time, more time, in the Word. So I looked at Scripture. I looked at passages that talked about God's love, God's plan for us, God's design for us, God's judgment, God's holiness, our human nature, sin. What is obedience? What is God's Word? The beauty of God's Word. What does God say about His Word? Is it true? 
I won't go into detail what these passages I discovered or rediscovered. In many of these passages, I came to a new appreciation. But I will say that it was and continues to be a blessing as I dig deeper and immerse myself in the Word. What happened was, at the time I spent in the Word, it gave me a new love and appreciation for the Bible and renewed realization that all of Scripture is God's Word. In addition, I discovered Psalm 119 in a new way. When I was younger, I always looked at Psalm 119 with kind of a raised eyebrow. Like, it's 176 verses. It's, a, it's the longest chapter in the, in the Bible. And, uh, and so I began to realize that it is a, it's a beautiful testimony. It's a beautiful poem, in fact, of, of God's uh, love for God's word. It's an acrostic psalm, believe it or not. It's divided into eight verses, uh, 22 stanzas, eight verses. And each verse starts... With a, with a different Hebrew alphabet letter. And uh, I can't take credit for that. I did I, just reading that in a recent book, and I was like amazed at that, that Scripture is so... It, it's just a beautiful ex, excerpt of uh, the beauty of God's Word. And perhaps I'll just read some of the... To refresh you, I'll read some of the, the verses that will be very familiar to you. Verse 1 and 2. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. Verse 9, how can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? Verses 10 through 16, I've tried hard to find, don't let me wander from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord, teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you've given us. I rejoice in your laws as... As in riches, I will study your commands and reflect on your ways. I will delight in the decrees and not forget your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths of your instructions. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. Help me understand the meaning of commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instruction. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet light for my path. So let me allow you to take some time to regularly read Psalm 119. I'm trying to set a pattern in my life where I will read half of it a a day, and then the next day the other half, and continue that process, because it's a wonderful exposition of what that is, of what God's Word is. And uh, this sermon, in a sense, is in a, is a grow, has grown out of a renewed love or, for Scripture and a renewed awareness. Uh, next slide, please. So, yes, Chick-fil-A. Now you're hungry. But. So Chick-fil-A opened in Toronto in September. They've opened a second location now in Yorkdale Mall. That opened uh, January 7th. And no, they're not... <laughs> We're not moving to commercials at church. But I want, uh, what struck me about this back in September, and you may recall this, is this restaurant opened to protests because of the ownership. Our Christians, they support Christian charities, and there's a segment of the population that was protesting them. And I got to thinking, man, it's come to this? People protesting an opening of a restaurant? And so I, that caused me to dig deeper and further into the word. And so it just fully, it just f- f- 
full, more fully illustrates how society has difficulty in accepting biblical truth and our claims to biblical truth. The next slide, which of course was on our bulletin, uh, somewhat edited on our bulletin, as you can see why at the very top there, but that, I find that interesting. Let's choose truth. Well, what is truth? So next slide, please. So we start in John's Gospel. John 18, 37, I'll read it. This is uh, certainly a familiar passage. Then Pilate said to him, so you are king. Jesus answered, you say I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After that, he, he said, after he had said this, he went outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Well, society is still asking the same question. What is truth? And so, you know, nothing has really changed. Next, pass, uh, next slide, please. Since the beginning of time, mankind has been questioning, did God really say something or that? What, what did he really say in his word? So as is in the case of Adam and Eve, a serpent is questioning Eve as to, to say, did God really mean what he told you in Adam? I'll read it to you. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you should, will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Note in this passage, the serpent is, is questioning by saying, did God actually say? The serpent is being used by an evil power, so evil has now entered God's creation. The serpent contradicts what God has said, and goes on to present the truth, sorry, goes on to present the fruit of the tree as something worth obtaining. This contradiction, contradiction still goes on today as scripture is contradicted and questioned as truth. The world continues to offer an alternative view of life based on personal desire or an unrepentant heart. As we are reminded in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So nothing has really changed. Today, those who do not believe the Bible is the inspired word of God or the truth are just as quick to question God's words relevance to today's culture. In a sense, they're questioning those of us who take God at his word and believe it is truth. They are questioning us today. Did God really say or mean that? Next slide. So if we look at Oxford Dictionary, definition of truth. Truth is the, the true facts about something rather than things that have been invented or guessed. And it can be argued that we live in a post-truth culture. The term post-truth came into existence in 1992. But in 2016, Oxford Dictionary announced it as the post announced post-truth as the word of the year. So it's really become much more known, shall I say, in the last few years, of course. So post-truth means relating to circumstances in which people respond more to feelings and beliefs than to facts. 
So in an era of post-truth politics, it's easy to cherry-pick data and reach any conclusion you like. So that's what we're up against. Next slide, please. So what does Billy Graham say about truth? Well, because truth is unpopular does not mean it should not be proclaimed. I really like this one. Your emotions can lie to us, and we need to counter our emotions with truth. Next slide, please. So back to our scripture passage of uh, Jesus and Pilate. Jesus identifies himself as bearing witness to the truth. In other words, Jesus' purpose and existence is to bring truth to the world. Jesus is testifying to the truth and representing the truth. Pilate's response to Jesus' proclamation can be interpreted a few ways. One, as an irritation. Two, as cynical. Or possibly a recognition of the truth, but an unwillingness to accept it or heed it. As we know, Pilate lacked the courage or intent or lacked the conviction to accept what Jesus said, and he released him. To, sorry, to release him. Pilate sent Jesus back to Herod. He gets the crowd involved by giving them a choice between Barabbas, and he has Jesus flogged. Next slide. So let's look at what Jesus says about truth. What does Jesus say about himself? What does Jesus say about God's word? Looking at John 17, verses 15 to 17, it says, and I'm quoting Jesus, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The word sanctify here means to be set apart, to be made or in process of becoming holy. So as we live and grow in our faith and believe, we grow in truth. Spending time in God's word, knowing God's word, and believing God's word is all part of the sanctification process. Because Jesus says God's word is truth. John 14.6 says, Jesus said to, them, to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Of course, we're well familiar with this passage. Jesus is the only way. He identifies himself as the truth. Not a truth or not a way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. John eight thirty-one to 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Note here, Jesus tells us if we are in his word, we are his disciples. And by being in his word, we all know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So spend time in his word. We are called to live in God's word and follow and obey his word. It goes without saying that the more you study, the more you meditate, the more you read the word and the truth, the less likely you are to be swayed by the culture of the day. For those who are not willing to listen or follow God's word, it's a tragedy when they fail to recognize the truth. It's a greater tragedy when they recognize the truth and fail to heed it. The outside world may listen but not accept it or willing to abide by what it says. Next slide, please. 
Many of us have probably heard or read this quote before from C.S. Lewis, but I thought it was most applicable. In referring to Jesus, C.S. Lewis said, you must make your own choice. Either this man was the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him, uh, his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So if we say and believe Jesus is the Son of God, then we have no choice but to believe what he says is truth. So please be encouraged as you go about your work, your ministry, your connection, or network with friends and neighbors and family. We are all part of God's plan to proclaim the truth and ultimately one hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. For he is the truth, and God's word is the truth. So despite what the world tells us, we have the truth. Next slide. Now this is a two-part slide, so it's a long passage, and uh, we're looking at 2 Peter 1, verses 16 to 21. I'll read it. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic words more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy is ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This passage, in a sense, could be a study on itself. The book of Second Peter is, called, is a call to godliness. It is a response to the claims of the false teachers that were creeping into the early church. These claims are false teachings were both a theological and a moral issue at the time. It was holding, there was, in one book I read, they were holding on to some form of sexual permissiveness as a legitimate Christian lifestyle. And we still have challenges to the, like that today. Peter was also responding to false teachers claiming that they, had attempted, they were attempting to cast doubt on Christ's return and day of judgment. Interesting, nothing has changed, as many today would call into question who Jesus really is, or say that his death and resurrection and atonement for our sin was not necessary, and that we need not anticipate or look forward to his return and the coming judgment. Peter is defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. He offers two pieces of evidence. Peter, in this passage, chapter 1, uh, verses 16 to 21, is quick to point out that he, along with James and John, were both ears and eyewitnesses to the transfiguration. So that's his first piece of evidence. Second piece of evidence is, or truth, is that, his, that this encounter confirms God's prophetic word all the more. 
Because the word shines in the dark places. It convicts us of sin, showing us the way that leads us out of darkness. As we do, Christ, the morning star, rises in our hearts, which leads to worship, adoration, affection, and obedience as, uh, as we dwell in his word, his truth. In other words, the more time we spend in God's word, the more we see the truth and live a God-honoring life or Christ-centered life. Finally, a reminder in verse 21 that the scripture is not some human interpretation. Scripture is the word from God and is carried by the Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. Just a reminder, you can't... uh, Speak about the word of truth without, of course, quoting the Awana verse. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And the next slide, please. Very familiar passage as well. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do, what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do very good work. Sorry, do every good work. Note that all scripture is useful for teaching us what is true. It reveals to us, it convicts us, it corrects us, and God's word to, to us so that we are ready to do a good work. We have all we need for life to guide us, encourage us, to direct us. So, I discovered the more you immerse yourself and interact with God's word, the more you appreciate it, and you see how complete and connected it is. You cannot look at one passage on its own. You cannot look... You have to look at the whole complete word. You cannot look at a specific passage without looking at the rest of Scripture. In other words, you cannot dissect one passage or interpret it without looking at the whole of Scripture. You begin to see the need for all of us to know it, to believe it, to follow it. It is all we need. We have been given a great gift. As I said earlier, the more you know the Word, study it, meditate it, and read it, the less likely you are to be swayed by the culture of the day. The grand conclusion I came to is that not only does all scripture point to God as truth, but of course it says and points to Jesus and that he is the truth. In looking at Jesus, we see that Jesus himself claims to be the truth as he bears witness to the truth, and he too claims the word or scripture is truth. So we have Jesus identifying himself as the truth and additionally saying that God's word is the truth, And we have Peter, who was an eyewitness to Jesus, reminding us of what he saw and reminds us to stay in the word as it changes us and is proof. And that is proof in itself as it changes us. What more can I say that God's word is the truth? So be encouraged as you stay and walk in in this confused culture. You have the truth. It has set you free and you can confidently share the truth because Jesus says he is the way, the truth, the life. And he says God's word is truth. So continue to pray for your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors. Pray for opportunities to share the truth and let the Holy Spirit work in your life and in the lives of loved ones around you. To help uh, connect the church 
in sharing the truth. There are many great Canadian ministries that are involved in, in defending the truth and sharing the truth. I think of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, Child Evangelism Fellowship, to name a few. But of course, I do have a connection to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Canada, and I'd like to take a couple minutes here just to show you how we partner with churches in Canada and uh, proclaim the gospel on a very large scale and uh, have impact in the community. So next slide, please. So the key to the ministry is the last few, well, <laughs> I don't want to minimize the mission statement, but I do want to comment and draw attention to the last few words that it's all about the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the equipping of the church and others to do the same. And so that legacy has carried on down through Billy Graham to Franklin Graham and now Will Graham. And next slide, please. We were, of course, in Belleville or Quinty region. So Quinty region would be Napanee to uh, Trenton, including Belleville and the area known as the county, uh, Prince Edward County. And uh, we started last uh, February with uh, a leader's breakfast. And uh, we're in the community probably a year to two years even prior to this. And so we had 135 um, people out for a leader's launch breakfast to explain the whole process. Eventually, we had some 80 churches involved and ministries in the Quinty region. And then in March, we had what we call a public launch, where we had 600 people gather at Maranatha Church in Belleville as a night of praise and worship and information as to how we're going to journey together in the community. Next slide, please. Uh, in April and May, we had Christian Life and Witness classes. We had some 700 people trained over uh, those months uh, to share their faith and to equip them in sharing their faith, all about uh, being an Andrew. And we talked about that a little bit the last time I spoke. We talked about being an Andrew, and we put uh, little cards with people's names on it as you pray for people that you want to impact and that you want to share the truth with and you want to have coffee with, and you begin the process of praying. So that's the whole, not only are we equipping, but we're also encouraging prayer uh, for the event and for interaction as you work and connect with um, unbelievers in a given community. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, the, we also work with the youth. Um, FM 419, which stands for... Uh, Follow me, taken from Matthew 4.19. And so we had 150 youth out in April and then another 250 in September. And there was an interesting challenge given to the youth there in September. And basically, and I think that it's applicable to us, that don't make the decision for your friend. Your responsibility is to invite and to ask. You don't want to say, oh, no, I'm not going to invite this person then you've made the decision for them. You let them make the decision as to whether they're going to accept that opportunity to come and hear the truth, and the Holy Spirit will take care of the rest. Next slide, please. Uh, there's an example of the prayer. Prayer is the key to any of what we do as a ministry, as it is with most ministries. And uh, we connected with the Belleville House of, House of Prayer, uh, we had a pr 100 days of 24-7 of prayer. We had people sign up to pray at all hours of the day, 24-7 uh, for 100 days leading up. We had uh, more than 500 people on the prayer network, and we had 24 different gatherings of prayer, as well as prayer walks through communities. Next slide, please. 
Uh, in September, we gathered to worship and pray once again in anticipation for early October. Uh, the next slide, please. And there, the first night was the Kids Fest, where we had 1,300 and so adults and children attend, and 194 mainly children came forward. There were some grandparents and, and adults that came forward as well, but uh, that was a great blessing for the Friday night. And then on the next slide, Saturday and Sunday night, we had uh, almost 6,000 people in attendance when you combine the two nights with 544 people making decisions. So in the Quinty area, that's the equivalent of three or four churches. You know, the average church there is 120 to 150. That would be considered a large church, in fact. But uh, so that's something to celebrate as we partnered with the churches and then passed those names and those individuals on to the churches uh, for them then to take the next step and start the whole discipleship process. And the next slide. So yes, Quinty was not the only region we were in. We were also up in Baker Lake. That's the second year we've been in the far north and the opportunity there to uh, share the truth that we were invited once again by the Inuit community up there to share the truth and partner with churches up there. Um, in fact, we, uh, I must say not all communities have 100% participation with their churches when, we come, when we've been invited, but Baker Lake did. The three churches were all on board, the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, and the Pentecostal Church. And so that was a wonderful testimony of uh, unity amongst the denominations. The next slide, please. So there, community of 2,500 had 780 people come out. So a very high percentage of the community. And we had 324 people make a decision for Christ in that community in Baker Lake. Uh, the next slide. And some other aspects of our ministry, the rapid response chaplains. Uh, we do training, um, sharing hope in crisis. There's some 40 hours of training that go into being a chaplain uh, to pray and uh, connect with people that have gone through a tragedy, whether that's man-made or whether that's natural. Uh, we've had issues of flooding in New Brunswick and Ottawa. Uh, we, of course, had Hurricane Dorian uh, last uh, fall that did damage in Nova Scotia. We were asked to go to Prince Edward Island along with our sister organization, Samaritan's Purse, and we were there. We saw 16 people come to Christ through that, and uh, nationwide through the ministry of the Rapid Response Chaplains, 50 people have come to Christ. And so that is some examples and pictures from Prince Edward Island of, uh, of ministry that has happened there in the Kensington area, if you know Prince Edward Island. Uh, next slide, please. Internet evangelism. Now, this, this was a bit hard to explain, and I actually had a video, but that's not going to work this morning. But we have an opportunity here to, as a church to partner with this ministry. We have 309 churches in Canada that have partnered with us. And what you're looking at is a screen here shot of um, uh, Google. And you can go, actually go on online and watch this as people are online and you can see where they are and you can be praying for them. And so we have 48 counselors that will uh, come online as people do Google searches. You know, who is God? What is God? Um, Am I loved? Uh, all sorts of questions that are asked. And that will lead you to uh, various websites, including ours. And the opportunity is there once you're going through the steps and through the steps of peace with God, an opportunity for a counselor then to interact with you, whether that's on the phone or chat and so on. And so in Canada alone, we had uh, over 
131,000 visitors. Of that, over 19,000 people last year in Canada made decisions for Christ. As you can see on the screen, we're over 13 million people worldwide with this ministry. That's worth celebrating, you know. So the gospel continues to be proclaimed. And uh, we as a church could partner, and I do want to follow this up with le church leadership, that when, when somebody, if somebody was online and came to Christ here in Markham, the question is, well, now what happens? Well, if Markham Missionary Church was to come on board with us, um, you would have the opportunity that that new believer then would be connected to our church and uh, an opportunity to disciple a new believer. So that's a rather unique and way of sharing the gospel in this technological world. And the next slide is the slide that I wanted. Oh, yeah, you skipped it. <laughs> Thank you. And so finally, for this year, uh, we're in Sudbury, Ontario, and London. So October 24, 25 in Sudbury, and November 7 and 8 in London. So, so anyway, so thank you. I will call up the worship team uh, to uh, one last song. And uh, I do thank you for the opportunity to allow to, for me to share my pilgrimage through Scripture and the truth that I discovered, and hopefully that is applicable for you and that you can, uh, uh, as you uh, rub shoulders with the world out there and, uh, and share that truth that you will be confident in not only in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, but uh, the Word and His truth. So, Lord, so thank you. <laughs>